Work Positive Nation, how many days a week do you show up positive for work? One, three, maybe five, none? My guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast has discovered the secret connection between your happiness and productivity that leads you and your company to high performance. Listen to this episode in its entirety to discover this secret connection and employ it in your work. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast, Rita Ernst. Rita, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast. I'm delighted to have you with us. I appreciate this invitation, Dr. Joey. Thank you. I can't wait for this conversation. I feel like we have so much in common, our love of positivity. So I I just know this is going to be spectacular. Oh, I agree. I agree. We were probably separated at birth. Our our mothers were very positive. Right? I, and I got all the hair. Yeah. <laughs> you got all the wisdom. I got all the hair. <laughs> wow, that's very kind. We'll, we'll we'll let Work Positive Nation be the judge about the the wisdom. But if if you're just listening, you're not watching on our website at workpositive.today or on YouTube. You got to see Rita's hair. It's lovely. And I have hair envy now that you said that. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, positivity is our our common theme. And you've written this incredible book, Rita, called Show Up Positive. What was the genesis of this book for you? Well, I'm going to show the book because I have to. I'm so proud of writing the book is... You know, I tell people I get $2 a book, so it's not like the way that I'm going to make a million dollars at this stage. Um, So it was definitely a passion project. But the impetus of the book was the work I did. I'm an organizational psychologist. And so... I had business owners coming to me during the pandemic that were leading essential workers. And basically they said, Rita, I don't know what happened. Like we're, we were a family. We took care of each other. We, we were always jumping in, helping one another. Like we were a well oil machine mm-hmm. and now people are just there. They don't seem to care. They're not connected anymore. Mm-hmm. They're not helping each other out. Um, they're burnt out. I'm oh. burned out. I, I don't, yeah. I don't have, have anything left in the tank to give help what do we do and so um i after hearing this multiple times and going in and doing work with companies um i began to find some commonality around what it really took to help people get reconnected and recommitted to one another in the workplace and you know what's amazing dr joey is in most cases it was one conversation wow just one it's just one really specific deliberate thoughtful conversation that was facilitated in a way that really allowed people to find those moments of connection again Mm. and the best way i can say it is we have muscle memory we have muscle memory in our in about what it means to be in a workplace that fills us with joy to love our coworkers, to want to take care of one another but we also have this human brain 
that is designed to identify negative things and just laser focus in and fixate on those negative things. And so people were just trapped by their brains. And I tell people all the time, your brain is lying to you, but your brain will trap you into these negative cycles of thinking. And we just needed to disrupt that and get reconnected. And I will say in every one of those one-time things, there were lots of tears shed. Oh, wow. Because it was emotional. People got needed to get emotionally reconnected to one another. And once they remembered what it felt like to really get that connection, it was very easy. We didn't have to project plan. We didn't need 10 steps to get somewhere. They just started showing up the next day at work and being the person they used to be. And that's where the name Show Up Positive came from, because it's really just that simple. It's I, what the one thing I decided as a result of the pandemic, which was a monumental shift for me, is that culture does not flow from the top of the organization. Mm. It is not the Ten Commandments on a tablet like we treat it. Mm. It is about the experiences that we create through our interactions with one another. And so every one of us architects the culture every day by the choices that we make about the behaviors and thoughts that we act upon in our work. And guess what? We are sentient beings who get to control a lot of those things when we choose to use our agency and power to do that. And so the book is just a roadmap to remind people. And in the second part of the book, I give 50 inspirational words to remind you of different ways that you can be that positivity in the workplace simply by choosing your behavior and your mindset. Oh, wonderful. The, uh, one of the most impactful words I just heard you say was choosing and choice. We do have a choice. We can focus on the positive and we can filter out the negative. So let's say, Rita, that I'm having a conversation with some top talent and I'm seeking to attract top talent to my company, right? You, you have us leaning in to know what that one conversation is all about. Spend that one conversation in such a way that when I'm having this interview conversation, right? And I'm seeking to attract top talent. I want this person to come work with our team. What's that one conversation sound like from an attraction of top talent perspective? Well, I think that top talent is, is, is so tricky. So we often get focused on who's the smartest person or who's the, you know, the, the person that has the best skill set that we can attract, mm-hmm. but you're, you're, t- keen in Dr. Joey and what really matters first and foremost is values. Mm -hmm. And what I talk about in the book is individual values and organizational values. Mm -hmm. And when those things are not aligned, Uh, guess which wins? Yeah, it's a train wreck. It's always individual values. And this is why you can hire brilliant people onto your team and they completely derail the culture or the teamwork um, and the Mm. teaming that is happening because they have a behavior pattern and a way of showing up in the team that isn't honoring the norms and values that were present prior to their engagement. So the number one thing I think you need to start with is you need to know what are the norms and values that are important in your organization? And you mm-hmm. need to select people whose individual values align 
with those. And then amongst those people, absolutely hire the smartest, brightest, most capable that you can, but never sacrifice that values alignment for intellectual property because it will not pay off in the end. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it's a train wreck every time. So that value alignment is critically important, which means that I, on my side of the desk and having this, or my side of the Zoom camera, right, (laughs) and having this conversation about with this top talent, I got to know what my company values are. And I need to be able to articulate those to the person with whom I'm speaking and to inquire about their value system. So how how does the rest of that conversation go as we're leaning in to discover how do we show up for that conversation, that interview, and represent the company values as well as discover the individual values? My favorite thing to do is to interview the team members. So wherever this person is going to live in the organization, if they're going to lead people, interview the people they're going to lead. If they're going to be a part of a team, interview their teammates. And especially if they're replacing somebody, you know, really the question you ask is um, the person that we lost, what did they bring to this team that we valued so much? Mm. How, talk about how did they contribute to the mm. team? Mm. What, what about who they were and as well as their gifts, as well as their talents mm. so that you really understand the void that's been created in the shift of talent. And if it's a brand new role that's never existed before, then you're inviting people to visualize it. We're going to add somebody to our team. What would be possible? What else would we want to have here? Who's going to be an amazing fit, right? You, When you start having these conversations, then you know what you're shopping for. It's like buying a house, right? We've all done it, but you've got, you've got to know like what's important to you. Is it the number of bedrooms? Is it the number? I know somebody that wouldn't buy houses that didn't have anything less than three garage spaces because they had an antique car that had to have right. its own space in the garage, right? Like, is it neighborhood? Is it proximity to things? Like, mm-hmm. you have a pick list, right? When you go shopping for a house or a car, it, you got to think about it the same way. You've got to have that, your identified ideals that you're shopping for when you're shopping for talent in the marketplace. And then what we know from, I'm a huge fan of behavioral interviewing, and what we know is then you ask questions in the interview about how people have shown up in prior work experiences in the way that matches what you're looking for in your work experience with them because Mm -hmm. the best predictor of future behavior is past performance, Mm -hmm. not what people ideally think they're going to do in their mind. Because we all have this idea that we're going to run a marathon, but we never start the training or we're going to (laughs) eat healthier, but we still grab the bag of chips, right? We all do these things. So, you know, you really got performance history is the best predictor. And so you want people telling you stories have ways that they've engaged in other work situations where it looks and sounds and feels like what you and your team want to experience with them in your place. Absolutely. So let's say I have that conversation. Uh, We determined that there's an alignment of values and these other things that are important to both of us. So we begin this journey together and invite you to be on our team. How do I then, uh, 
well, I want to avoid dating hard right? <laughs> and then and then forgetting who it is that I married. Right. So um, how do I reduce team turnover at that point, Rita? Well, working in teams is one of the things I've done since the day that I left Clemson University. So I, I have a pretty strong depth of knowledge about how teams work, function and what makes teams happen. And not the to one mention the Dabo Swing has of, a great football team every year at Clemson, right? <laughs> <laughs> is that the the storming or the forming, storming, norming, performing sure. idea of teaming is always true. And every mm. time you change out a player, you've got to go back and do the forming work. Mm. So if you're trying to ignore that and expedite, you are you are actually long term, you are slowing, you're decelerating instead of accelerating. Uh, Accelerating oh, sure. the performance of your team. And then the other thing is um, we know from self-determination theory that there are three essential things that people need to bring their best selves to work. So mm-hmm. you need to be taking care of those three things in the onboarding process. Mm-hmm. You need to give specific attention to those. And the one of those is that people need relationships. Mm-hmm. So you got to help them form relationships with their new workmates. Mm-hmm. You got to give time and attention. They've got to have belonging. They've got to know they've joined a team where they are welcome. Second, they've got to know that they can contribute. So you've got to just not throw them at a desk and tell them to just follow somebody. You, they need meaningful work earlier rather than later and not necessarily necessarily throw them in the deep end either. I mean, meaningful work where you work with your team members is perfect because we build relationship as we do something that adds meaning. But yes. people need to know that they are doing that is allowing them to bring their best selves forward while Mm -hmm. also contributing something that really matters. So you need to create the asking them to do with the overall purpose of the company and the mission and really ingraining that in it. And then the last piece is autonomy and autonomy isn't throwing people to figure it out, right? Yeah. A- autonomy is making sure that you're giving them all the resources that they need so that they are confident to independently begin to make decisions and operate inside of the organization. Mm-hmm. So don't micromanage somebody, but don't mm-hmm. abandon them either. You've got to find that right place in between. And especially when you're hiring seasoned professionals, you know, you've got to give it some attention to that autonomy and make sure that you are adapting to where their needs are in any given moment. Mm. Rita Ernst is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Her book is Show Up Positive. We've got a link to her book on Amazon in our show notes. So if you're walking the dog or on the Peloton or something, it's there for you. Just go into the show notes and click on that and go. And then if you want to, while you're listening, feel free to go to her website, which is igniteextraordinary.com. And just look through some of the pages there as you're listening to her describe the amazing way that we show up positive and create a work positive culture. Rita, what are some of the challenges that you see companies experiencing right now, right here today, in terms of creating the kind of positive work culture that you and I know just creates meaningful work for individuals, as well as create sustainability for companies? Well, I had the privilege of recently attending the World Happiness Summit and hearing the 2023 World 
a happiness report, hmm. um, which is, of course, based on 2022 data sure. um, of where we are in the world and what is contributing to happiness. And and there are two essential things in the workplace that keep coming up, and that is people need belonging and they need flexibility. And I think that's where we are seeing some of the trends um, in the last year around um, the, the around workers really taking a strong stand about what matters to them. We still see huge numbers of disengagement. We still see huge numbers of people looking. And but here's the deal: if people have relationship, but they have if they have belonging they have meaning in their work then they're going to stay they don't have a need to go find something else Mm -hmm. right um but you also need to factor in this flexibility piece what what we learned in the pandemic was this model that we all bought into that you need to show up at your office and sit at a desk or in a specific area of a building for eight to ten hours a day with your blinders on and thinking and doing nothing but work is bs <laughs> it's total bs totally it's 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 not necessary mm. and the people are not going to stand for that anymore people have learned that they can have a wholeness an integration mm. a harmony in their lives that was not possible when they had to go sit in a cubicle somewhere eight hours a day and pretend like the rest of the world didn't exist. People aren't going to pretend that way anymore. Especially, Rita, when they're driving two hours a day on average, which is what the American worker is doing, on average two hours a day to and from that cubicle to sit and have a manager stare at you. So today I saw a headline um, that uh, the CEO of a major company that delivers cardboard boxes with stuff in it to my front doorstep at least three times a week said, <laughs> I didn't call their name, okay, uh, said, hey, we're, we're doubling down and coming back into the office. You, you got to come in the office. Now, I didn't get a chance to read the whole article. I just saw the headline. And, and frankly, Rita, I was shaking my head. I'm thinking... Wow, here's this technology firm, you know, because that's basically what it is. Here's a technology company that's saying you got to come into the office. Now, I don't know if they were saying two or three days a week or, or what they were saying. However, that belonging doesn't just happen with physicality and the flexibility. Where is that, Rita? So what do you say to somebody who's out there looking for a position and they're running into walls of companies like that, who you would think would be cutting edge companies that are saying, Hey, you got to come back in the office. I I think those people are going to take jobs temporarily to fulfill whatever their economic situation is and keep looking. So Mm. good luck to you. I think if you're a a CEO who's making that decision, Mm. you are, you are putting a big revolving door at the front of your building and that's what's going to happen. Mm. And it's going to cost you. I mean, Gallup, the last numbers I looked at, two times annual salary to replace somebody. And that's Mm. not including the burnout, the stress, the customer experience, all of the things that also take a hit when you have turnover in your organization. So I think that that box manufacturer is like missing the boat. And, you know, people in our roles, people who care about culture, we're asking the question, why? 
what you know what is that really about what is that need about what is not happening that needs to be happening mm. what is what are you experiencing so i think i say this all the time on podcasts but it is so true and i know dr joey you agree with this curiosity is the cure to the world mm. You know, what we need to do is get curious. We need to ask more questions and ask better questions. And to some extent, I think employee employees are trying to ask those questions. And depending on the company, they are getting places or not getting places um, with that. But never stop asking. There's, you know, that it, 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 I always tell my kids, the only reason not to ask is if you are unwilling to accept no. If you can't live with the, with the answer. No, don't you know? You might not want to. Don't be ask. asking, Mama. But otherwise, you know, ask. Asking mm. is a is a way of advocating, mm. and um, you know, it's sometimes we don't get good answers because we're not asking the best questions. So yes. don't even let not getting the the answer you want deter you. That just means you need to ask a better question. So when when you hear something, a no or something, ask a better question. Well, right. I, and yeah, so I think exactly. I think that companies, I don't know what all that is about. I think that we are because we know disengagement is up from the Gallup survey. We know that there's a whole cascade of performance mm. metrics that follow. So when you see engagement plummet, you're going to see the performance in your business plummet. And so I think that there's this knee jerk reaction of, oh, we just need to get people back where we can sort of stand, kneel on the throat of our workers and keep mm. them on the, uh, you know, on, but it's just not going to work. It's just absolutely not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, we are at this pivotal point where some businesses are going to figure it out. I'm thinking back to Jim Collins' seminal work at the turn of of this century around good to great. Mm -hmm. I think if we are, I think we're going to see a new version of good to great that emerges mm -hmm. as a result of this time. But we are in a transformational time. I am a hundred percent certain of that. And people that stick to the old playbook are going to be like buggy whip makers. Yeah. And you know, when Ford brought the Model T, right. you had all these fat, dumb and happy buggy maker parts makers that were like, you know, just living it up large. And <laughs> they weren't they weren't paying attention to the shift that was coming. Mm. And many of them were not prepared and they lost everything. Yeah, and exactly. I, I think a lot of companies could be looking at that if they continue, because we are no we are primarily in the U.S. a people driven business mm. center. Almost every business is highly dependent on people, not machines. We, we've so much manufacturing has left. Mm. So it's it's about your people. You you cannot treat them like machines. They are not machines. Humans do not respond well long term. Henry Ford proved this. They did. Yeah. Back, you know, I mean, it's been it's it's been over a century. We need to let go of that model. That's just not working. Mm. Uh, we need to yeah. stop applying the engineering model. We need to start finding the human model to management and leadership, and really emphasizing that because you most likely own and run a people-driven business. People are the asset that create the customer experience that gets you the 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 loyalty 
the sales, the other things that you need. And so you can't ignore people and treat them like they're children that are going to comply mm. because compliance and commitment are not the same things mm. and compliance will be temporary. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it while the parent's looking, but just as soon as the parent turns it back and, and I'm, I'm doing or the grandkids or, or the grandparent, right? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a little more lenient with the granddaughter than I was our two daughters. They, our daughters will tell you that. So you mentioned, uh, okay, we're in a people driven business, regardless of what your particular industry is. And you mentioned belonging and flexibility. Give us briefly one more key characteristic that when we're creating a positive work culture, we need to make sure that we're including as one of our core values in this people-driven business. So in addition to belonging, yeah, right? And in addition to yes. flexibility, what's a third key component? For me, the next one that I would add to the list is sort of the recognition, gratitude, appreciation. Mm. It's the one I go to all the time. Um, there are studies that show one, there's a huge deficit in the amount of recognition people receive versus what they want. Sure. Two, they self-report that if they were receiving more recognition, they would give upwards of 40% more effort. <laughs> That's the exchange value. And yes. Think about that. Yep. Think about that exchange value, Dr. Joey. That's huge. 40% more effort right. for, for, for somebody saying, Hey, I appreciate you. Hey, thank you for bringing your talent. Hey, yeah. you did a great job at that. Like, like that is not difficult. That is not hard at all. <laughs> well, it's not difficult for you, but the the typical familiar model that so many managers bring is a different bottom line, right? I'm looking for something here. And it, that gets back, that appreciation gets back to that belonging piece, right? Because it's really an identity piece. I see you. Yes. I value you. I respect you. Your work is an expression of your identity. Um, uh, that That's pivotal in, in how we, but that, that's a big number. I'll write a check for one thing in order to get 40 times that one thing every single day. Yes. 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 I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable number and it's such a simple thing. And I will tell you, you remember I told you one meeting, uh -huh. one meeting and we turn the tide. Yep. You know what the, you know what the first exercise we do in that meeting is what? gratitude. Yeah. The first thing we do is we sit and we write three notes of gratitude to three individuals in the workplace. That's high octane. That burns clean, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's it does. A, it's a rocket launch from that very point forward. Rita Ernst is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Uh, her website is igniteextraordinary.com. Go there now. Hopefully you've already been there. And you can go to your show notes or you can go straight to Amazon and just put in show up positive and grab yourself a copy of her book. You will thank yourself. You'll be appreciative to yourself later. And of course, to Rita, when uh, you finish reading that book. Rita, Work Positive Nation always wants to know from my guests, what's one thing? So Rita Ernst, what's your one thing that Work Positive Nation can do starting today to help create a positive work culture? I want you to pick one thing per week, set one intention per week for how you're going to bring more positivity into your own life, regardless of what anybody else is willing to do. I want you to just focus on you 
think about what's one thing that I can do that will bring more positiveness into my soul and commit every week to just bringing that one thing to the forefront and practicing it. Mm. And that's the show a positive way. That's what the whole book teaches. Wow. What's your one thing that you do each week to bring positivity? Well, I, um, I communicate to my audience every week. That's the commitment that I make. So I have a live show Mm -hmm. for those that are more audio or visual. And I Mm -hmm. have an email and Mm -hmm. I give a show a positive spark so that something. So this week, um, for example, our um, quietude, like really stop filling all the empty spaces and just allow the silence to grow and allow somebody else's voice. Mm, to have that I space. It. I love it. That's beautiful. So tell Work Positive Nation how they can find that. So um, if you want to join my email list there, just scroll down on the main page of my website a little ways. You'll see the little place to put your information. And it is not a sales funnel. I do not use that to then hit you up for a bunch of business. It is purely to get on the email list and get your show up positive spark every week. Or I broadcast at 11.45 a.m. on my YouTube channel, which is at Ignite Extraordinary, Facebook at Ignite Extraordinary, and LinkedIn, Read Ernst Positivity Influencer. So it's a simulcast on any of those three. And you can go through the YouTube and watch old episodes as well. Sweet. Thank you. Rita Ernst is my guest. IgniteExtraordinary.com is the website. Show Up Positive is the book. Thank you, Rita Ernst, for showing up positive on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. I'm better for the conversation, and I know Work Positive Nation is too. Thank you, Dr. Joey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about, and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.